Welcome back, fine townsfolk, to another episode of Random Encounters. I am your host, Nick. I'm Matt. And we are here to pull yet another random monster from yet another random monster manual. This week I am pulling out Dungeons & Dragons Monster Manual number 1 from 4th edition. And we're going super early, page 11. And there's something kind of interesting here. These fall... There's a series of creatures, some high-level, really scary creatures in here that fall under the abomination category. And I think in previous iterations and future iterations from 4E, they they didn't fit into a category at all, such as the Astral Stalker and even the Tarrasque is in here. I just think it's interesting that they kind of lump them all in here and they're they're all they are the first first thing in the book, which is interesting to put epic level as your your first entry into monsters. But this guy is I'm I've a feeling this has been around for a while. The art is incredibly terrifying and it is uh something that you probably won't get. Okay. So I'm just going to it's the name sounds familiar. It's called an Atropal, A T R O P A L. Yeah, Atropal doesn't ring a bell. Yeah, they're they're pretty cool though. Atropals are calamitous beings scorned by life. They now exist only to bring destruction and despair to everything around them. And that is that is that one little flavor snippet. Nothing specific there. You have okay. to you have to get in a little bit further. Uh, some of the lore with a DC 25, you know, Atropals are unfinished godlings that had enough of a divine spark to rise as undead. A few Atropals roam freely across the plains while others are sealed away in separate realms or buried beneath the ruins of dead civilizations. This is a level 28 elite brute. Okay. Yeah. So this yeah. is this is epic level monstrosity. Here's the picture. Like they gotcha. are. Yeah. They're really cool looking. It it's, is. It does look unfinished. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I would compare it to like a ghoul or any any undead thing, but it's its mouth is hanging open in this scream, and it's got extra long arms that are kind of clutched against its chest. Yeah. It's and and it it's it does not have skin, or maybe it. Maybe it kind of does because its bowels are hanging out of skin. I see a belly button. That's an interesting choice. But it, it doesn't have eyes. Uh, oh, it's it's really grotesque. Yeah. So so this guy is 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 pretty nasty. Th- and and when I read you numbers, remember level twenty eight. So sure. like epic epic level. It, it's supposed to be difficult for twenty eight too. So it has shroud of death, which is an aura of five. So basically anything within five feet. Yep. At the beginning of the Atropal's turn. Undead allies within the aura regain 20 hit points, and living creatures in the aura take 10 necrotic damage. Radiant damage to the Atropal ends its shroud of death. The Atropal can restore the aura as a minor action. Okay. So. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're that high a level, then 10 hit points isn't going it's to a lot. it'll add up eventually yeah. but you know one or two turns you can you can kind of manage that if you're a barbarian doling sure. out 50 50 60 whatever yeah uh things of damage the 
the fact that radiant damage ends the shroud of death but it can just restore it as a minor action but the damage gets put out on its turn it's not like when you start your turn in the aura yeah. so say at the top of the order your cleric does does that damage yep. it's not like everybody else down the line is going to be saved from that damage because they already took it at the Atropos oh, turn. Yeah. That's that's an interesting choice to be able to cancel that. And it it doesn't seem terribly effective. Not really. Um the the minor action that it can use to to reinstate this, I guess you could say. Yeah. Now would that reinstating this on that turn, would that then kind of hit that damage right away, or would would you give it a turn? Oh, you know what? That I think that's a good point because it's at the beginning of the Atropol's turn, which okay. means it's before any actions. So to have to pop that back up, that's, that's it. You solve that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So for him to pop that back up, it's past the beginning of his turn and therefore nobody takes it. Okay. okay. So you're it's basically an every other turn thing. Assuming it doesn't get hit with with – because they could cancel it out every single time before anyone actually oh, is, starts starts his turn in it. That is true. So yeah. if you have a, a cleric or a paladin or something with that, that radiant damage. Mm-hmm. And assuming at 28, you should probably have a sword or, or something that you're yeah. doing. Or or a cantrip. Or it's 4E, so it's uh, an, an, at, an at will. That's what they called it. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so, so, so that... That does not seem nearly as 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 epic as I expected it to be. The healing twenty hit points, assuming they start their turn in there and heal twenty hit points, that's pretty nice for the for the undead allies. Yep. Now, before we go any further, though, mm-hmm. how will the party know without actually doing? Oh, it? that's true. Sure. So, you know, that's you could valid. you could get multiple turns off before mm-hmm. they either switch to a, a radiant weapon or use a yeah. cantrip or an at will that's that's has that radiant component. Yeah. You know, maybe some sort of really high DC check could could uh right, yeah. give you that information, but it's Yeah, and do you when they stumble upon that, do you tell them as the DM if they Well, yeah, I mean flavor-wise you probably have to like oh the the death the the dark energy shroud seems to flicker and, and go away. Yeah, it just, yeah, yeah. I would, and then, then that might even just heighten the, just the 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 fear and the weird energy mm. when they see it all of a sudden come back on his next turn. Yeah. So, and especially if you have multiple things going at once, and I'm sure each weapon and each ability and whatnot at that high of a level is fairly complicated you might have to 4e yeah was very complicated you may have to go back through your kind of mental rolodex there and figure out what it actually was that that caused this to go away yeah yeah who did what yeah 20 minutes ago of of gameplay to figure out yeah exactly yeah okay i get it yeah maybe maybe being so removed from the actual thinking of being in a fight like that yeah we we're able to kind of dissect it and be like oh well this is obvious but maybe maybe it wouldn't be so much depending depending on how your dm plays it and and things like that 
So it has, it also has necrotizing touch, which is a reach. It's a, it's against a reflex. So in, in 4E, they had the, a reflex. It's not a save. It's a, I think they called it a defense. So you had your AC, you had your reflex, your fort and your con, but they were, they were solid numbers that, that the enemy would roll against basically, but you had different ones. Interesting. Oh, it's right here. Yeah. AC, Fortitude, Reflex, and Will. So the it's a 2d10 plus 10 damage, and the target takes ongoing 15 necrotic and a negative 2 penalty to attack rolls, and the target loses any resistance or immunity to necrotic damage. A save ends all of them. That's pretty, that's pretty nasty. Do you get a save every turn? You, your save is generally on the end of your, at the end of your turn. It's like the last so thing the that la- you do. Every turn, you would you would have the opportunity yeah. to get rid of that. Okay. Yeah, at least there's that. Yeah, but if you're if you're you're taking an additional fifteen every single time, Ugh, yeah, and it's at least it's not gaining vulnerability to necrotic as well. That sure. would be really bad. And then uh, uh, finally, it has the the atropos burst. It is a close burst of five. Uh, 48 plus 5 necrotic damage, and the target loses one healing surge. The Atropole gains one action point if it hits any creatures with Atropos Burst. And that ability recharges when a living creature drops to zero hit points within its aura. So, assuming you never have that aura up, yeah, you're safe exactly. when that happens. Or, or assuming nobody drops. And I just want to go into healing surges a little bit since that was a that was a 4e specific 5e has the the hit dice but it's a little different gotcha a healing surge would heal approximately a fourth of your max health when you used it but there were restrictions when you could use a healing surge such as in battle and some effects can cause you to lose a healing surge without healing Mm -hmm. such as poison or failure in a skill challenge Number depended on your feats and your class, things like that, a lot like hit dice. However, you couldn't simply use a healing surge anytime you wanted during combat. The following situations allow, allowed you to use one. You could use your second wind. You could use a power, either used by you or an ally that allowed you to spend a healing surge, or a power effect or item required that you spend a healing surge as a cost such as to renew an item's power or to use a potion. Doing so does not usually heal HP, at least not the normal amount. Potions using a healing surge to heal a set amount of HP, independent of your surge value, be it higher or lower. But there were times when uh, a power would allow you to heal as though you had spent a healing surge. So you would you would gain that amount, but never actually use that healing gotcha. surge. And the the... Let's see... Yeah, the, the amount was a uh, a quarter of your max HP rounded down. You would regain all of your healing surges after an extended rest. And powers that allowed you to spend a healing surge. Basically, all of your heal spells. So the cleric had healing word, healing strike, bastion of health, things along those lines. And then powers that heal as though spending a healing surge. Cure light wounds, cure serious wounds, mass cure light wounds, indomitable spirit, things like that. So that was an 
that was an interesting mechanic, I yeah. think. But if you were if you were out of healing surges, you were out of healing surges unless someone had one uh, one of those powers that was as though you had a heal- you spent a healing surge. Now, not to go off on the healing surge tangent, but because the healing surge was so specific in terms of how many hit points you got back, mm. did that count for each application, I guess? So if you had a cleric and he used Cure Light Wounds mm. on the fighter and then Cure Light Wounds on the wizard, would they get they would only get a specific amount back? They'd get their healing surge value. So it's not a roll of the die. It's not there's no If I remember correctly, yeah. Hmm. I mean, that's a, that could be good or bad, depending on how you roll, obviously. But yeah, it's it's been a long time since I played four E. It made it sound like they were spending they they would get their value. Yeah, yeah, that's what it sounds like. So if you had a channel or something, everybody would be healing at a different rate. That being said, they're getting healed for a quarter of their hit points. Sure. So it's. Is it? It's better that way, right? No, I don't know, because it's better for the barbarian. Because, say, for because a quarter of his hit points is probably more. Going to be what more, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's not as good for the the wizard. It, but technically, the wizard shouldn't be getting hit anyway. You know? Yeah. Maybe I don't know. Let's see. Four E cure light wounds. It's a daily power available to clerics at second level. If this power is used on a character with a positive number of hit points, the character regains hit points equal to their healing surge value. Yep. Okay. Yep. Well, all right. Yeah. Yeah, that settles that. Yeah. Healing surges. Interesting mechanic. I think probably a little too complicated. That's why they went back to healing surge. Hit dice, rather. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. And to, to reference back to why we were talking about healing surges to begin with, Atropos Burst when they get hit with it, they they lose a healing surge. The yeah. target loses a healing surge. Could be good, could be bad. Depends on where you are in the fight, I suppose, you know. True. I mean, it's never good to lose one. Yeah. So I, but, yeah, I mean, it, if you're on your last one and all of a sudden you get hit with that, it's, yeah. it's pretty devastating. Yeah, and I, I have a feeling that the the heal using a healing surge spells were a lot cheaper and easier and readily available because there Probably. was there was more to pay for it basically sure. so so say say he already popped cure cure light wounds and you're out of healing spells or uh healing surges rather yeah. that's you're in trouble exactly yeah. yeah uh let's see and and the final little bit the atropol tactics an atropol floats toward living creatures and it floats like it is it is a good foot or two off the ground, but it, and its legs are just hanging down, all bony and meaty, yeah. and yeah, it's it is nightmarish. It floats toward living creatures and tries to envelop as many of them as it can with its shroud of death aura. It relies on its hit points and speed to outlast and outmaneuver its opponents. Once surrounded, it uses Atropos burst and then spends an action point to make a necrotic, a necrotizing touch attack against the most wounded creature. It continues to attack this foe with its necrotizing touch, hoping to slay the creature and recharge its Atropos burst. 
So wow. it just it just walks in there and goes to town. Yeah. Let's see. It has 634 hit points, an AC of 42. It has a speed. It has a fly speed, which is a hover of nine, which they in 4E it was square. So that's 45 feet. Yeah. Man. <laughs> yeah. So it'll it'll come up big on you. And I'm assuming unless everybody has like boots of speed, they're all at 30 feet or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. So it's just going to come up quick in the middle of everyone. And envelop them with that that aura. Yeah. Which was, what did we say? It's five. A, it was a five. So it has to be right in there, right in the thick yeah. of things. Yeah. 634. I don't know. That doesn't feel like a lot of hit points. I, I would expect something more than that, but I, I never played anything level 28 i never got up that high so let's see there's a level 23 at 220 okay there's a level 26 yeah, at 478 the tarask at level 30 is 1420 oh he's a brute though that's it he's an elite brute which means he's he's like the beefiest of of them so okay. so 634 is actually really big for for that gotcha yeah What's your ideal party to fight this? Just like all, all clerics? All like sword and board clerics? I mean, that wouldn't be too bad. No, because you could – and this is a perfect opportunity for almost extreme party management or battle management. Yeah. You know, like, okay, you know, cleric A, you are hitting it with radiant damage. Once you find out what's, sure. what's yeah. going on, if, obviously. If you, if you can go ahead and, and make – make a plan before you even start with this thing. Say you sure. say you have the the perfect opportunity to do this. You know what you're getting into. Yep. Honestly, it might be really cool to have the the party almost have the opportunity to learn about this beforehand. Yeah. Just to see what they can do. Sure. Um, yeah. And and give give them some some extra resources. Yeah. If it's like a one use item or or something along sure. those lines, just to see how creative they get. Yeah. And yeah. if they, they talk to the local shaman or they mm. research in the, the library or something along those lines, just so they can learn something along the lines of you know, the about the burst, about the fact that the uh, that last power there the the necrotizing touch or the the atropose burst? The atropose yeah. burst, yeah. Just so they know that maybe that that doesn't necessarily recharge unless something dies within it. And it has to have the aura up, too. Exactly. It has to die in the aura. Yeah. Yeah. So to be able to learn a lot of that stuff ahead of time, then you can have your clerics and maybe, I mean, you want to have something, something melee, mm -hmm. be it the cleric or maybe just a... a fighter or a barbarian with yeah. a really high I think a really beefy points. barbarian yeah. could could be good because I think cuz I know there were a lot of there were some additional classes there were like support classes like the warden who could buff people and help adjust yeah lay out in combat and and like the barbarian was that barbarian or battlemaster or somebody had a way to just keep aggro on them yeah so perfect have, Two healers on on whoever has aggro have a cleric's throwing throwing radiant damage every single turn. Yep, and have a warden there to to give everybody buffs. Exactly done. Yeah, yeah. I mean it. 
when you look at it that way, it's not that terrifying, especially yeah. given the fact that you're not going to face this thing until you're 27, yeah. 28, whatever. Yeah. But the the encounter itself could be just terrible. Yeah, and they give in, yeah, a lot of the 4E monsters, they give example encounters. Okay. So for this guy, it's not just the Atropol. It is, there's the one Atropol, which is a level 28 elite brute, two Sorrowsworn Reapers, which are level 27 soldiers, and two Shadow Raven Swarms, which are level 27 brutes. So you've, you've got five things. I mean, okay. in a perfect world, you've got a party of five just focusing fire on this thing. Sure. But Oof. that being said, yeah, let's see. That's tough. Sorrowsworn Reaper. I mean, just numbers-wise, that's tough. Here we go. Sorrowsworns. Oh, they're pretty nasty looking. And Shadow Ravens are also on here. Yeah. So Shadow Ravens looks like pretty much just straight up attack. But they take, wow, they take half damage from melee and ranged attacks. But they're vulnerable 10 against close and area attacks. So you have to deal with those guys. And then the Sorrow Sworn Reaper, a Scythe attack, a Reaping Blow, which, oh, wow. If it, if it knocks someone to zero hit points with it, it regains 60 hit points. Wow. Yeah. So that's the worst part. If you have this encounter that has more than just the the one enemy. Yeah. And, and I do have to say that with its... Reaping Blow and Sorrow's Scythe, the the target is marked until the end of the the Sorrow Sworn Reaper's next turn, which means they get a penalty unless they attack the Sorrow Sworn. Yeah. So if you've got two guys who can pull your aggro on your your tank, yep. And then the Atropol just comes floating up and and goes to town. So maybe you don't want. a cluster of melee. No, that would be Ooh. Yeah, oh man, now thinking thinking that it would be like an actual encounter. That's Okay. I mean, it's really hard. Well, let's build it out then. So you have a party of 4. You definitely need at least a cl- one cleric. Yeah. I would say some sort of wizard or sorcerer or something along those lines to to get that ranged. You could even I mean, they may have some kind of radiant spell as well. Yeah, I mean, you 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 want that because it's vulnerable to ten, it's vulnerable ten radiant. Yeah, and it cancels out that aura. So that is that should anything be your, else. That's the number one thing you get near exactly, your party. Exactly. Yeah. So you should focus on that with that specific monster at least. Mm-hmm. And then if there are others kind of lurking around, it would be a matter of maybe. That's what you set the your melee guy on or guys. Then not the Atropol, you're saying? Not the Atropol, yeah. Yeah, but you but the Atropol is going to be hitting your 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 tank. You know, what do you do? You gosh, what do you do? Do you focus fire the Atropol first and just burn him down? But that's 634 hit points. you got to take out those other guys. Exactly. They are... They seem nothing in comparison. Let's see what their their hit points are. 
The Ravens are at 296. Okay. And the Reapers are 254. So they're a third of what the, the Atropol's doing. So, yeah, like maybe you just burn down those guys, really buff the heck out of your tank because he's going to be getting walloped. That is true. Or you go in with an off tank too. That as soon as the 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 ads are taken off, then the off tank steps back and just starts throwing radiant damage or 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 heals even like off heals. Sure. I'm thinking in speaking in terms of uh World of Warcraft, like a big raid boss at the end that's that's how i'm thinking of of this yeah i i definitely see it that way but raids had 10 plus people not four to five exactly yeah that's <laughs> that's the problem you're looking at a lot of co-op a lot mm. of help for lack of a better yeah. term and this one is just the same party you've been playing with for 27 levels yeah and it's a lot to throw at them but think at level 28, 27, 28, think of all of the abilities you're going to have. Like, especially right. in 4E, like 4E just handed out different moves like candy. Sure. Like by the end of 28, you'd have a, a, a phone book thick of those like spell cards, those move cards. Gotcha. It would just be, it'd be insane. Well, I guess the big question is, take your barbarian or your fighter or whatever, what is the average damage? That he's going yeah. to do in a specific round. Because, I mean, you could get to the point where you're doing 100, 120 points of damage with one blow. That'd be crazy. Yeah. It, it would be crazy. And how many attacks are you going to get? If you're right up in there, what are you going to get? Two, oh, three? Oh, yeah. And it's 28. 28? Yeah. That's three true. attacks at least probably. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Yeah. So there's a good point. And, I mean, that, that right there would completely demolish couple of the minions so to speak sure sure but even if you were to focus fire on the atropol you're you're looking at just a couple rounds unless there's some kind of weird healing or something in there that mm -hmm. it, it can get from a minion gosh i'm really interested to to look through the all of the class options now because just to see just to see what they get at up up at that level yeah to, to to balance things out and and just thinking in terms of maybe you build your your barbarian's abilities not as straight dps but for survival survivability and and pulling pulling aggro and rely on everybody else sure because you want you want a really a real beefcake to keep this thing That's busy it. you have to be stout because Otherwise, it's going to just kind of float around at that yeah. 45 move speed. Oh, my God. Yeah. And it continues or it, it attacks the most wounded creature. Exactly. So, oh, gosh. So if you are so stout, you're probably not going to be the most wounded creature. Yeah. Yeah. But but that being said that helps when you you keep a mark on him and he gets disadvantage or oh that's true or... so yeah how would that work then if he if his build so to speak is telling him to go one way and your mm -hmm. mark is telling him to go another way which cancels out that 
that's just straight up DM's discretion, I think. Yeah. And I think I think I would I would probably stick to the tank for a little bit. Okay. Just to see how the fight goes and then maybe float around and, and see what you can do. And and I think this this fight will would probably last a while that you can get a sense for for what staying on the tank is going to be yep. and floating around to get other people. But just staying on the tank is going to be a relatively boring fight for everybody involved. Oh, yeah. You know, you're just yeah. going to, as long as your tank stays up, it's just, it's, it's, it's mano just, a mano, yeah, it's yeah. just those two going at it with yeah. a couple of guys in the background throwing stuff. Yep. Or healing. Yeah. Like you said, pretty boring. Yeah. Yeah, so I think as un, unless, so un, un, so maybe go the other way around. You have you have it float around it first, and if you're really at the risk of wiping everybody, maybe then you stick at at the stick onto the tank for a little bit yeah. and let them kind of recover, and maybe maybe that gives them the time to kind of rethink their strategy, their strategy, what they're actually doing. Yeah, yeah. depends on if you're the benevolent GM or the. I'm just going to play it straight and we'll see what happens. Right. Right, but there is no there is no straight. There's no there's no rule to say it true. has to go after this one. No, that's true. Or it has to ignore the mark. Oh, I mean, I guess if you're reading it, it it will ignore the mark and then be fighting at a penalty. Yeah. I guess if you really want to go rules as written. Sure. Technically. Honestly, if you get up to this level, you're there's house rules plenty. So. Oh god, yeah, at this point, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it is it is terrifying. But but the the way that we the way that we logicked it out, it doesn't feel as bad as I first thought it would be. No, and I think we have the luxury of sitting here for a half an hour, 45 minutes at a time yeah. logicking it out. Yeah, right, right, very true. Very true. We're not being thrown into this into, you know, Whatever kind of weird room or chamber or whatever it is that that this is contained in, and I mm-hmm. almost see kind of like an H.R. Geiger, mm-hmm. xenomorphish kind of test tube type chamber where these half finished creatures are asleep. It does look a lot like the the Ripley clone from yeah. Alien Resurrection. Now that you mention it, yeah. Uh, yeah, so something like that, and I mean that could just lead to maybe the finished product mm, in the end. Which, yeah, I mean it is a it is a a dead godling. Yep. And why is it unfinished? That's the question. Then, yeah. So, so like, who who finishes a god? Like, what does that even imply? Exactly. What is the genetic engineering that goes into this that leaves it in this state, which can lead? I mean, you're at. The epic epic levels here. Yeah. So this is some big time stuff. This is celestial type movings and shakings here, which could lead to some really interesting story to round out whatever adventure you guys are yeah. are getting into. Because obviously you're almost at level thirty, which in four E was kind of the the cap. It was max right? level, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it, it you've seen. I think we've said this before at like a level 17 but it's it's applicable at level 28 
by that high enough of a level, you've seen some really absurd stuff. Oh, yeah. So it's easy for the DM to really make, kind of make anything fit into this story. Sure. You know, sure. that being said, knowing if you're if you're playing the long, long game and you know that eventually you want your players to see this thing, even though they're starting at one, you've got that whole, the whole, the whole Atropoles are unfinished godlings that had enough of a divine spark to rise as undead. A few Atropoles roam freely across the plains while others are sealed away in separate realms or buried beneath the ruins of dead civilizations. That, that's what, three sentences? Yeah. And that, I have so many ideas. Absolutely. For an entire campaign. That's exactly. awesome. Yeah. These could be random encounters. These could be. Oh, my God. Um, what a random encounter. I know. Ooh. But it's also, they could also be just random occurrences, too. Mm -hmm. They could just float by. Oh you're in God. a tomb. You're in. Yep. So, and the one, it just kind of floats on by you. Maybe as you're asleep, maybe you think it's roll a, a perception check and maybe it, it'll appear almost like a dream as it floats by because yeah. it's going to be fairly silent being just kind of floating along the, yeah, or, or off the ground. So, and it's a large, so human sized big, just a little bit bigger. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's true. I, I don't know. I would expect this thing to be like gargantuan, huge almost. or gargantuan. Yeah. yeah. But no, it's, it's just, it's, it would make such a cool image if it was gargantuan size, yeah. just in the distance. You see it silhouetted against the the setting sun or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and it just floats by its mouth open in a silent scream. Yeah. Ooh. I have to – I kind of have to rethink the whole imagery of this thing now that I see that it's just a large. But that's still – I mean, a large is what? Like twice the size of a human? Could be max, I think, right? I think Isn't that how be. it works? And it's so – 10, 12 feet. That's pretty gosh darn sure. big. And it's – can appear larger than that because it's floating off the ground True. too. So that yeah. helps with that kind of whole that presence that it will have. Honestly, I don't know. I would. Th I think I might throw a fear aura on this thing too, just like a fear effect. Yeah, I. I think that's it's fairly safe. I'm. Yeah, I have a little bit of a fear effect right now. Yeah, and and not not too bad. Make them roll. Once they it one of those once you save you don't have to roll again ones of course you know? yeah yeah but it's like but that again that being said at 28 you've seen a lot of stuff so that's it if you are playing the long game like you said right you have as, them roll the, the fear effect early on in the game and then as oh. they as they go either the dc gets lower or okay it just kind of disappears completely that might be a nice little thing to also show the the party that They've grown. This thing that terrified you at level three, mm -hmm. uh, it you know, I've seen it. So you you would expose them to this early on? I would. I really? would expose it. I would not have them fight Ob it. Yeah, obviously but, not fighting it. Yeah, but wow. I think that would be a, an interesting thing, especially if you're going to build the campaign mm -hmm. in a an undead kind of creepy um, fashion. Yeah. That I would, honestly, I would throw everything that I could at them 
to heighten that suspense, heighten that fear. And then they, as they grow, they can almost kind of naturally realize that huh. they can they can deal with it. It'd be a coming-of-age tale. Yeah, for the for lack of a better term. Huh. Okay. You know, I, you you find your, your big bad at the end, whoever that is, sure. be it one of the gods or whatever, and maybe that's not what is exposed to the players. But all these little creepy things, they could be a dream. It could be, you know, something that they think is a dream. Mm. But it's just, like I, like we said before, it's just kind of floating by while you're in a tomb. Maybe you're just, it's a, just a random quest uh. that leads you into this abandoned tomb. Maybe you're just going in to root out some kobolds or something. Yeah. And you get caught in there at night. You're just spending the night. And the guy on watch doesn't hear anything, but he, he feels something. Yeah. And he looks, like, out the doorway and just sees this float by. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, I think I think that's the only way that I would expose the players is oh, yeah. is that that floating by scene. Yep. And they they wouldn't even get a really good look at it, nope. I think. It would be dark. And, yeah. Yeah. It would be that and lore. Just yes, folklore. Right. 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 I I think and I I think I I'm 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 very fond of starting the campaign with a relatively mundane task. Yeah. And then it somehow unravels into the bigger picture and they they figure out that oh we we oh my we we really need to actually take care of this this undead godling. Yeah. But that happens over dozens of sessions and dozens of levels exactly yeah 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 I, I love that as well it's almost it's that that simpsons cold open almost where mm. it's something that feels like it's separate from the rest of the episode yeah but it actually does tie in at the end yeah, so it all comes it. together yeah. as, a, as a 22 minute cohesive story yeah but I love that idea of just keeping it all together and, and starting that roadmap in what could be seen as a fairly benign place if you're looking at it from the outside. Yeah, and really just just build upon it. Exactly. The, the more that they uncover, the more the more dread they should feel. Yeah. The more horrifying it should be. Exactly. And you're you can look back on it and say, "All right, I now I see why we had to do this." It seemed like kind of a silly errand or whatever at the at the time, but uh, we were actually, you know, taking that first step to saving the world. Right. Oh, I see. I see a a a god of of undeath or or some spiteful god that is going around and finding all of these and releasing them. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe, maybe one of the 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 tasks is to go, like, do some sort of demolition or or something to collapse the 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 ancient civilization down on top of this thing. So you never actually fight this, okay? But you're preventing it from, from being escaping. used. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I like that. Especially if you're going to have a lot of them, asking your party to fight, you know, a dozen of these. 
even throughout the campaign yeah. is going to be, I think, too much to ask. Or, yeah, just get get creative in how they need to be taken care yeah. of. Yeah, so it's fight one so that you have the experience, obviously, yeah. but then you collapse the temple, you yeah. whatever. I think fighting it should be the last one. When you sure. when you are on the ground fighting this thing, that should be the last one that you do. Everything else, I mean, and it says they're they're in separate planes too, so that opens up the planes oh, and yeah. things. So you get into spell jammer and and all that. You can yep. be in a in a in a space sp- spaceship space ship flying and like have to fight one of these in space. Yep, and, and exactly. All all of the the monster manuals and all of the realms. And all of your imagination are open to you for that. It's all fair game. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, when you get into God-level things, yep. it's whatever you want to do. I can see it as a almost a four-horseman type Ooh, okay. Sure. Where you have different iterations of this. Maybe some sort of apocalyptic God is creating those horsemen. And these creatures are the mistakes. The first draft. Oh, okay, yeah, sure, yeah. sure. So they didn't come out quite well. So mm-hmm. I'm working on pestilence, mm-hmm. and this is like pestilence version two, where pestilence version eight is the actual. Oh yeah, one. So okay, that's cool. I like that a lot. Thinking. Yeah, there's no reason that if you're fighting multiple of these things, there's no reason that they have to all look like this one drawing that sure. they gave us. Although it is really good. Yeah, absolutely. It should be used in your uh, in your game. Yeah, for, sure. for at least one of them. Yep. But yeah, the 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 reskinning like we've I think we've said it like for hags and things, like just just yeah. in terms of environment, just for extra flavor, reskin that thing yep. to fit into a theme that you're you're working on. Why not? Yeah. You know, nothing else needs to change. And especially because you're not if you were do if you if it were my game, you wouldn't be fighting all of them. It wouldn't be the same fight every single time. So it's oh, not yeah. like you need to swap out powers and all that to keep things a variety. Correct. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, I I th- this is pretty cool. Pretty cool for for like epic level end game stuff. And it's it's nice it's nice to see what what options there are beyond the Tarask, you know, or Absolutely, or that yeah. the really or or the straight up like demon lords or gods. So yeah, yeah it's you, it's nice. You need a step below that or even just a step to the side of that mm-hmm. to just to see something Something that's there with different powers and things like that, instead of just reskinning the demon lord. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, you can always do that too. Yep. But but they there there are some options out yeah. there if you can find them. Exactly. I don't think there are lots and lots of super epic level options. I doubt but, it. But I mean, it's it's pretty cool to look at. Yep. Especially because how many people actually get this far? I know. That's the worst. I part. know. It really is. It is being an adult is. I know. The worst. Just quit our jobs and do this all day long. Yeah. We'll get there eventually. I want someone to someone to pay me to play. Yeah. So how many silent screams of terror would you give this thing? I would have to go. I'm gonna go with seven. 
Okay. I think, yeah, I think that's a good number for um, it. It is, it's a good hook, mm-hmm. but it's a piece of the hook. Yeah. So you can't give it the full, you know, eight, nine, ten. So I think uh, a seven is pretty solid, and it just as a creature itself, it is it's yeah. awesome. The stat block doesn't blow me away. The moves not necessarily they don't really blow me away, but it's the lore. It's really the yeah. lore behind it and the potential for that. Exactly, especially given our ability and our the way we gravitate more towards story and whatnot in our campaigns. Yeah, right. This is there's a lot of meat on this bone, despite what the picture looks yeah, like. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We we've, we've consumed all of that meat. Yeah. Cool. Seven seven silent screams for the Atropol. Perfect. So that is it for this week of Random Encounters. Thank you so much for listening. Head on over to Facebook or Instagram and follow us on at Feckless Momes. I think that's yeah, I think that's how it works. I don't I don't do the social medias. Find us there and and follow us. Do do the thing, rate us, review us, go to the site. Check out the books, et cetera, et cetera. And we will be back next week with another random monster from a random monster manual. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>